song? I thought I had another second there. Here I am. Good morning. How are you? My name is Melody, and um, I am happy to be with you this morning. I'd like you to repeat after me. Ready? You got your voices nice and warmed up? Repeat after me. Melody likes. What's my first one? I forgot. Uh, let's pop it up because I forgot. Shoes. I like shoes. Shoes. Coffee. Cheesecake. People. Let's do it again. Melody likes shoes, chalk, coffee, cheesecake, and people. Let's, let's leave it up for a second. All right. Say it again. Melody likes shoes, coffee, cheesecake, people. Shoes, coffee, cheesecake, people. I'm going to test you on this, so be ready. Will you remember in 10 minutes? Ah, I wonder. What about if I call you tonight? I call you and I say, hey, Nancy, what do I like? Or what? Okay, you get the point, right? Um, what, about, what about if I call you tomorrow or the next day or next month? Will you remember? Next month is Christmas, just so you're aware. <laughs> you all should be taking a screenshot of this right now. Um, well, I don't know about you, but I actually need a lot of reminders in my life. I need reminders because a lot of the times I will have people say to me, Melody, remember this conversation we had? Remember we talked about this? And unless I have it repeated to me several times, it has probably not registered in my brain. And I will drop the ball on things. You know what's the super best that I love the best? Is when my kids come up to me in the middle of like a high pressure moment or in the middle of a time crunch and they're like, mommy, um, so-and-so's mommy said that you need to volunteer at the Halloween party. Okay. That was it. That was like the extent of the conversation. And then on Halloween, she said, Mommy, so-and-so's mommy said, you forgot your responsibility. You did not show up for the party today. And I was like, what, what responsibility? What are you talking about? I, I told you, you had a responsibility to show up to the Halloween party. Okay. Apparently, my seven-year-old can sign me up for things. Um, it's okay. I'm signed up for the Thanksgiving party. It's in my calendar. I will remember it. But with stuff that is said to me with no repetition, no reminder, it's almost a guarantee that I have not registered it. One year for my son when he was in preschool, um, I completely missed out on the Mother's Day tea that happened uh, that year. Because I, I did actually hear it once, but who was getting the reminders? Not me, my husband. He was getting the reminders. And I have not heard about it yet. Maybe Josh doesn't even remember, or I will hear about it in therapy one day. But uh, it's something that we just dropped the ball on. So what's a few things I like? Shoes, coffee. Oh, excellent. You are excellent. Let's see if you remember next month. Um, so this is what happens, this is what's happening in chapter 3 in Philippians. Paul is doing exactly this. He is repeating himself here. In verse 1, he starts by saying, I never tire of telling you these things. I do these things to safeguard your faith. He says, I'm doing these things for your benefit. I'm doing these things so you will have them fresh on your minds, just like you have fresh on your minds all the things I like right now. 
So think about this. Do you need some sort of form of repetition and reminders to remember things? Think about the multiplication table. Okay, what's three times three? What's uh, eight times eight? What's nine times 12? <laughs> I gotcha. 108. Yes, that was a hard one. I was like, what is the most random one I can pick here? Um, but the truth is that 9 times 12 will always be 108. That truth will not change. And the same is for the Bible. These truths that we see and that we read in the Bible do not change. His letter here is an encouragement to remember the truths that Jesus has spoken, the truths that he has spoken. Repetition in the Bible is a little bit of a cue to slow down, to review, and to remember things that have been said. The truth has not changed, and it's no different today than it was when Paul was writing these, this letter all those years ago. Uh, we often need these truths reminded to us on days that we have here on earth. Would you agree with me that we have all sorts of days here? And I'm not talking about the weather. I'm talking about good days, bad days. Sometimes it's a roller coaster we're on. This week has been quite a doozy for me. I've been up and down. Then Chris on Friday was like, see ya, I'm going to men's retreat. And I was like, that's great, honey, have a good time. I'll see you later. Um, but we have good days and bad days. We're talking about awesome days, days of joy and excitement, anticipation, where things are just going right, they're working out. But I think equally we have days of sadness, of fears, of failure, the days that are not so awesome, the days that things are not working out the way we would have hoped. This letter in Philippians is characterized by its theme of joy. And the main message here in Philippians that, is that we as believers can have joy through any circumstance. Any circumstance, awesome or non-awesome, we can have joy through it all. A few years ago here at the, at the New Song Mom to Mom group, there was a theme for the year. And it was choose joy. That was our theme for the year. Well, let me tell you something about that theme. I hated it. I hated it that year. It was a super, super dark year for me and Chris. Um, we had four children that when the twins were born, they were actually four under three, four kids under three years old. Kaylee was soon four years old, but I have a little picture of our, that was our first family picture, first family portrait. We're actually all in there. Uh, that's Chris back there. That's me with a little burp cloth, but you know, we're all in it somehow. That was our first family portrait. I think the girls were like three weeks old by this time, but it's the first one where we're all together. Anyway, um, so in this season in our lives, we were so busy, so busy, because as much, as much as I love my children, that season when they were so little was so challenging. And all of a sudden, right after having these babies, we got thrown into crazy situations. Uh, all of a sudden, we had to relocate our family in a situation not of our choosing. We were put in a situation where we had to financially support family members and our bank account quickly reflected that. On top of all that, Chris's union went on strike for a couple weeks with no pay. So can you imagine how we're feeling? Really, you want me to choose joy? You want me to choose joy now? 
I don't think so. I am up all night because I can't sleep because I'm thinking about these things. Then I'm cranky and tired during the day, but I have four little children who depend on me for every single thing they need. And somehow I push through the day and you want me to choose joy. Why don't you come live a day in my shoes and tell me if you would choose it. Tell me if you could just choose it. Easier said than done. That time of our lives was, like I said, insane. Our bank account gone. Our pride stepped on. Our joy was pretty much non-existent. That year, we needed reminders. We needed reminders of where our joy truly came from and what our joy truly relies on. One thing was happening after the next. We were doing it all on our own. We were, we were just one situation after another that we became more and more isolated, isolated, isolated. And we didn't stop to remember the truths that we believe. We didn't stop to remember the truth of nine times 12 is 108, and the truth of the Bible will always remain no matter what situation you're in. We eventually came out of it one night, one night, because I received a reminder that God clearly orchestrated and I will tell you about that night in a little bit. The sermon title this morning is Press On. Can you say that with me? Press on, press on, press on. Say it with me. Press on, press on, press on. And we're going to repeat that again and again because we need reminders of the truth and what we need to hold on to. So what kind of reminder do you need today? What kind of reminder? Are you here this morning in a good place? Are you, are you in a good place this morning? That is great. You still need these reminders. Are you in a moment of extreme pressure and stress and you just don't know what tomorrow brings? You need these reminders too. You need the reminder to press on. Whatever your situation is today, we are going to tell you this morning that this joy is available to you. And say it with me, you must press on Press on, press on. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this evening, this morning, Lord. Um, thank you that we got an hour extra this morning. Um, I pray that as we dive into your word, um, that we would just receive the reminder that you have for us this morning. Lord, bring us your words this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul begins his letter, which what I just said, with clues to stop, to review, to remind. And then he quickly gets into um, him saying, I never get tired of these things. He's saying, hey, listen, I'm not adding anything new here today. I'm not adding anything new, but it doesn't, I don't tire of telling you these things. And he quickly moves into his warnings in verse 2. He says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. He's saying here, watch out for those people who say you can earn your salvation by a specific code of conduct. He says, no, he doesn't want the church of Philippi or us to be distracted by rituals and rules and a checklist. Salvation is not a matter of check do this this way, you'll get that. Do this that way, you'll get this. It's not a matter of a checklist. It's not something that you mark off in order to get something in return. He feels so strongly about this that he calls these people dogs. And we're not talking about cute little teacup puppies. That term back in those days was a super derogatory term. And that's what he's calling these people today. He says, don't listen to those people. 
They are trying to distract you from your faith. He's saying, don't be discouraged by those who make you try to believe that nine times 12 is anything but 108. Your joy solely comes from your belief in Christ. You cannot add to it. Our salvation is in Christ alone. He finishes verse three, and he challenges those people and their conditions, and he says, we rely on Christ Jesus. We cannot go to heaven any other way. And then he goes to talk about his own past. He goes on here to explain that he used to believe that he had the most excellent checklist that he had the most excellent checklist. He said, if others have confidence in their efforts, I actually have more. He's saying here, okay, you want to play by different standards? Let's play. Let's see how this will play out if we were playing by those standards. He says here, I was circumcised when I was eight years old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience of righteousness, strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. He is saying, oh, you guys want to compare? Let's compare. Because guess what? I'm the top dog around here. This is my resume. These are all the things that I could say I've done. These are all the things that I have on my checklist. And for a long time, Paul did believe that he was superior to others through his checklist. But here he's saying, look beyond that. Look beyond what you think your spiritual resume needs to look like. Look beyond what you think brings your life value. Look beyond that. Don't let past accomplishments or failures prevent you from pursuing or accepting the joy that is available to you through Christ alone, not a checklist. He's saying you will fall flat on your face if you rely on yourself to create your own joy. Have you ever pursued something super fiercely? I'm not saying it's bad. Did you get it? Did you get it? What was it like when you got there? Was it everything you had hoped for? Was your life complete in that moment? Was it? Now, accomplishments are great. That's not what he's saying here. He's not saying don't have goals. Have them. But it's not about how important your accomplishments are to you. It's about looking beyond them. It's about knowing what is beyond that. And knowing that those things, no matter how hard you work for them, do not make you more valuable in Christ's eyes. What does he want? He wants your heart wholeheartedly. That's what he wants. He wants you to pursue those things. And he wants to use those things that you are pursuing for his glory. What is it that you're working for right now? Are you going to school? Are you working your job? You're at home with your kids? Whatever it is, he wants to use that thing for his glory. I've shared bits and pieces of this story um, in the past, and you may or may not know, but I was once a flight attendant for United Airlines. I have some pictures up here, you can see me. These are on a Kodak disposable camera. (laughs) Can you believe it? Uh, Anyway, I was like, these are a little green. Let me see if I can add a little touch to it. I showed my kids these pictures a few days ago, and they're like, Mom, you're ripping a plane off a door? And I was like, that's right. I can rip a plane off a door, so don't mess around with me right now. Or a door off a plane, sorry. I said it backwards. (laughs) 
been a long weekend, you guys. It's okay. Anyway, I can rip a door off a plane. Um, and so I was a flight attendant for United Airlines, so you can always check the seat back in front of you to know all the ways you can connect, get connected here at New Song. Or there's the exit there, there's the exit there, and welcome this morning. That was actually not me at all. I was more like, welcome folks, I'm your flight attendant for this evening and you are going to have a good time on my plane because this is my plane. So I always asked if there were celebrations in the room or if there was little kids, I made a huge deal of it. Is any celebrations in the room actually? Any birthdays? Any anniversaries? No? Huh, I actually have a gift card right here for you. Can't say it now, sorry. <laughs> Deanne raises her hand, nope. Um, so I had a whole happy birthday song. George taught it to me earlier. Okay. Well, anyway, um, we, I was a really fun flight attendant. Now, let me tell you how I decided to be a flight attendant. It was literally one moment to the next. And by one moment, I mean one day to the next. I was sitting in my job. I was 24. I had, I had a job. It was good. I didn't know where I was going career-wise and... I was trying to get away from a failed relationship, a long-term failed relationship, and my friends were getting married, changing jobs, moving states, and anyway, I just, I felt kind of stuck. So I, at work one day, one afternoon, I decided, you know, I think, I think I want to be as free as I possibly can. And by free, I mean travel, but travel, I got to pay for it, and I don't want to pay for it, so I think I'll be a flight attendant. And that was it. I went online that afternoon to what monster.com was. Who remembers monster.com? It was the big like job web website back in the day. Um, and so I went on and I kid you not, United Airlines had a call the very next day. So I got in my cute little business suit and my cute little briefcase and I went down to LAX at 10 a.m. And as I got there, I was determined, like razor sharp determined, there was no way I was leaving this place without a job offer. Well, I walk in and I'm like, oh gosh, over 200 girls, several guys were there, and it was scenes from like American Idol crossed with Survivor. It was insane. You had to, the day started at two, two, uh, 10 a.m. and it ended at two in the morning. And you had to go throughout their day, and there was cut after cut after cut. You had to fill out papers. You had to take tests. You had to speak and speak and speak in front of individuals, in front of groups. You had to do all of this crazy stuff. So American Idol, Survivor, basically, if you want to be a flight attendant, watch those shows, and you'll survive. But um, at the end of the day, I felt more driven with every cut that was happening. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. There's no way that this is not happening for me. And at the end of the night, at 2 a.m., there was two women left standing, and I was one of them. Two women out of all those people. Well, the story of determination doesn't end there. After that, potential hires had to go to Salt Lake City for seven weeks of training. And test after test after test. We had a test every day for seven weeks. We got two days off in the whole, in the whole seven weeks. We got two days off. And you had to take tests every day. You know how many tests you were allowed to fail? Three. Three tests. At the third test, you were on the bus home the next day. Survivor, I'm telling you. 
So my, my class started with a group of 22 and we completed the course with a group of six. Six. So I may not be your flight attendant on your next flight, but know that your flight attendant is fully qualified and trained to be there. So have confidence in that. But uh, soon after that, I was stationed in Chicago O'Hare and off I went to live in this big, beautiful, historic, but young city full of life. I was so proud. I was so proud. I did it. I got here. I'm living here. I was responsible for the safety and security of so many people. It was awesome. For a while. For a while. Because after that, it just be, I just went right back to where I was. I got stuck again. I was stuck because I was pursuing a sense of joy that flying on a plane could not provide me. I was stuck because I was relying on my resume, on my pride to bring me joy. So after almost two years of flying, I came back to California. And honestly, I felt like a failure. I felt like a failure. All that, I moved out there. Everything was, everything was going to be different. But it wasn't. It wasn't. And I came back. And, you know, when I came back here, after a while, I later came to realize that if I would have stayed out there and continued, I would have probably had the same result. Because, again, I wasn't looking to Jesus to bring me the joy that only he provides, that only he can satisfy. When we depend on ourselves, our titles, our circumstance, our resume, it's never going to satisfy. In verse 7, Paul says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He says these things mean zero to him now. He continues in verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I can no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. All that matters to Paul now is knowing Christ and reflecting his character. He wants to point people to Jesus. This matters more to him than a fancy career, than a re the respect of man. These things fade. These things are not bad things to work for, but they should not surpass our desire to honor and to know Jesus. He is saying that these things are not what make him valuable in God's eyes. Why was I so miserable? Because I did not have my priorities in order. I did not have them in order. Paul is saying here that possessions don't last forever. Man's praises don't last forever. Titles, rank, rule keeping, zeal. None of these things last forever. If all these things were stripped away, which they can be, I've seen it, I've lived it, I've experienced it. When everything is stripped away, who are you really? Who are you? Where does your joy come from? Who do you depend on? So what are you to do? 
I'll tell you what to do because the command is clearly written. The command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. A little backwards, but it's there. That is the command. In verse 10, he goes on to say, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. Now think about this for a second. He's not writing you from the best bed and breakfast Airbnb that Rome has to offer. He's not, you know, seeing the great palace or the Colosseum or hearing the chariots. Probably not. But he is there in chains for his faith, strapped to a Roman guard. He's probably in a small room, drab walls, surrounded by danger. And even when he does not know what tomorrow brings, he is saying, I have joy. I have joy. All he ever had was indeed stripped away from him. The man who traveled the world, who liberated people at every port, who God spoke to directly, he was stripped down to this. How did he do it? Joy in a dark world? How did he do it through his suffering? But there was purpose in his suffering. And that is a truth that cannot be changed. And there is purpose in yours and mine too. I'm here to remind you today that God does not shy away from our fears, our failures, our sufferings. He does not shy away from it. We do live in a broken world. But we are called to participate in the mighty power of hope and joy that can only be experienced through Christ. That is the pursuit of something greater than us. He is the God that specializes in hope, second chances, and resurrections. He uses these situations to point people to him. There is purpose in it. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 8 says, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a while. These seasons do not last forever. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than pure gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. You rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. Can you say that with me? Inexpressible joy. Every prayer, every song, every sacrifice, every tear, he sees that. He does not shy away from it. There's purpose in it. Maybe you don't see it yet, but you will. Or maybe you won't on your time here on earth, but God has a purpose for it. God has a purpose, and he can give you inexpressible joy. Do you remember the story I shared at the beginning of our really dark year? Our really, really dark year with Chris? I said there was one night that God reminded me of his power and his hand in our lives. It didn't involve shoes. It didn't involve cheesecake. It didn't involve chocolate, but it did involve people. 
Uh, I had an event to go to with some friends, and it didn't cost anything. I just had to show up, basically. And I did not want to go. Because when you're in one of those moods, do you want to go anywhere? See anybody? Talk to anybody? Nope. Especially not people who are saying, choose joy. Kind of want to punch those people sometimes. So at this point, Chris is getting a little bit worried about me. So he basically says, go. Get out of here. Go. So I listened to him, and I went, and at this point in our very, very dark year, we did not know, like, did not know what tomorrow would bring. We did not know. Everything was unstable. Nothing was guaranteed. No magical, anonymous checks were coming in the mail. And believe me, I checked every day. I still check sometimes, like, oh, who sent me something? Oh, it's all right. I'll use this coupon. No crazy, magical checks in the mail. We were truly turning a sharp corner that week. So I go, and later, I, I had a good time. I laughed. I carried on. I, I went. And I'm leaving a few, a few hours later, and I'm walking to my car, and some lady who doesn't know me at all comes because I forgot something, and she comes and she says, um, hey, you don't want always remember, God is God, and you are not alone. And I don't know this lady, so I'm like, oh, is this like your signature goodbye, like, you know, sentence, your, like, you know, line that you say to, other, to people? Like, I didn't, I didn't really register anything. She says, you know what, God is God, and you are not alone. And I thought, awesome, thank you for returning this thing to me, and I get in my car. The story gets better. I didn't think much of it, and I turn on the car, and this song comes on. Now, I'm going to sing it for you, so bear with me. And if you know it, don't leave me hanging, but it's called You're Not Alone by Al City. Ready? It says, you rescued me, and I believe that God is love, and he is all I need. I close my eyes, and I can hear you say, do you know it? I'll never wander on my own, for I am yours until you call me home. I close my eyes, and I can hear you say, you're not alone. It goes on. But can you believe that? Like, she just said these words to me. And I turn on the car, and I hear this song playing, and I thought, that's for me. That's for me this very, very moment. The song says, when my spirit is weak, you come to my aid and you strengthen my soul. Though when it rains, it pours. But all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. When you hear my prayer, you smile. So I go home and I tell Chris this, and he's a little intimidated by me because, you know, I got home and I was a little crazy. Um, but I say to him these words, you know what? The morning will come and our problems will still be there. The morning will come. And these scary situations are still there. But so is our God. So is our God. He will be there. How can we think that the creator of the universe is not big enough to handle this problem? The creator of the stars and the moon and the ocean and the skies know exactly what we need. Grant said the other day, if you pray, why worry? And if you worry, why pray? And that's what we came down to that night. 
we just cried and we prayed together and we said, we have nothing other than this, other than our hearts and our minds to give you and say, God, you know what you're doing, do it. And that night changed things for us. We forgot who was in charge. We needed the reminder that night to press on no matter what. And that takes us to our last verse in verse 14. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive what? A check in the mail? Someone showing up at my door saying, here's 10 grand, Melody. I heard about your issues. What does it say? I press on to receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. So what are we to do with this? What are we to do with this? How does this apply to our lives? Am I going to tell you to choose joy? Nope. I don't want you to punch me. But I am going to tell you to press on. I am going to tell you to press on towards the promise of higher glory. I do not know how your situation is going to change, how it is going to be solved, but I do know who is in charge. Press on towards the promise and the knowledge that God's word and his promises trump all fear. They trump all self-doubt. They trump all failures. On the awesome and the non-awesome days. All the time. That pursuit of pressing on will produce joy. That pursuit of pressing on will produce joy. I have experienced it firsthand. And not just that day, you guys. Last week, I was, I was having a meeting with my ministry team. And I came in the room, and I was a little, blah, 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 but then I went, oh, I am so happy right now, you guys. And they were like, Melody, what's happening here? And I was like, I don't know, but I am just joyful, and I am thankful, and let's do this swap thing. Who's wearing something? Who came to the swap? A lot of ladies. It was excellent. But you press on. What are you going through right now? Life is so unpredictable. So unpredictable. You might be fighting a disease. You might be facing financial ruin. You might be having relationship struggles, job loss. You fill in the blank. You tell me what you're going through. But hold tightly to the truths that have not and will not change. Nine times 12 is 108, and the Bible will not change no matter what. Are you facing something that you think is too small or insignificant or selfish or ugly? Let's read verse 12. It says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Jesus Christ first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Paul says, no matter what, focus on this one thing, what lies ahead. Whatever your situation is, your command is the same. You are to press on. Do not get distracted by a, a checklist. Do not get distracted by looking past all your fears and failures that have followed you to this day. 
don't forget that this is an ongoing process. You may be in a terrible season right now, but this season is not supposed to last and is not, you're not supposed to do it alone either. Our culture will tell you, rely on yourself, do your own thing, survive, be cutthroat, blah, 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 blah. Why? Why, when you have us, why? The creator of the universe is on your side. Scripture refers to this journey as a race. Following Jesus and remembering his truth are both daily and forever. They're both daily and forever. Your story is not done. It is still being written and God has plans for you both daily and forever. Press on towards the glory, the goal of greater glory. Do not be troubled and do not be afraid. In John 14, it says, right now, if someone were to use a few words to describe you, would joy be one of them? Would joy be one of those words? If it's not, I wonder if you need a reminder today that the only road to joy is through Christ alone. Are you waiting for that situation to fall in place? Are you waiting for that job offer to come in? Are you waiting for this? Are you waiting for that? Stop. Stop waiting for it. Pray for it. But do not let that be your sense of where your joy comes from. Your joy comes through Christ alone. The invitation is to press on. Do not isolate yourself like Chris and I did. Don't do that. Who knows, who knows your situation around you? That dark year for us could have been so different had we reached out to some people. It would have been embarrassing or pride crushing or whatever, but it's not like we had much left. And look at me, now I'm telling all of you about it. Do I care? No, because I want that to point you to a greater pursuit of joy. I want to use that so that you know my story and point you to Jesus. There was purpose in that season and it brings me joy to share it with you this morning. Today when you leave this place, your situations will follow you, but your God can lead you. And tomorrow when you wake up, they will still be there, but press on because the Lord your God is with you and you are not alone. You were made to pursue greater glory, more than this world could ever offer you. Will you say it with me this morning? We're going to say press on. Ready? Press on. Press on. Press on. We're going to take a few minutes to reflect on where we're at. And I ask you again, what are you experiencing right now? Are you distracted from a check with a checklist of things? Are you in a dark moment? Let's reflect. Reflect on where, where it is that you're looking for your joy to come from. Is it misplaced? We're gonna have a chance to take communion right now. What is communion? Communion at its core is a celebration and a remembrance that cried died, but is alive and working in us. He is alive and working in us. As the elements are passed, let's focus on the words that the band is going to play. And the, the song says, My worth is not in what I own, in the strength of flesh and bone, in skill or shame, but in the blood of Christ that flowed. I rejoice in my Redeemer. I trust Him, 
and my soul is satisfied in him alone. Whatever your situation is today, let him satisfy you only the way he can. Hold your elements and we'll take them together in a moment. example of finding joy in the Lord. Well aware that the cross awaited him, Jesus walked into Jerusalem that day. He knew the betrayal, the mockery, the rejection, the denial. He knew what was about to take place, but he pressed on. He kept moving forward. Why? Because of the joy that awaited him. Hebrews 12, 2 says, because of the joy that awaited him, he endured the cross. He did it for you and for me. Let's take the bread. Then he said, here's my blood that runs from my body, my blood that runs onto this floor for you. Take this cup and remember me. take these elements because we remember, like I said in the beginning, and Paul says we do this to keep it fresh on our minds and on our hearts. We do this so that we can build our lives on his promises alone. That truth has not changed, will not change, won't ever change. Press on. We're going to sing a song, and I want you to shout it that says we will build our lives upon his love because he is our firm foundation. He is our, our sense of joy. Only he can provide this. Let's sing this song together.